How do you want to start this thing? Welcome to the file drawer. Welcome. Hello. Hey, Sam. Hey, Eric. It's great being here with you today to record our first podcast of the file drawer. Mm. A podcast. A podcast. So if anybody out there is joining us for the first time, which all of you are. <laughs> By definition. <laughs> um, I guess we'll first just let everybody know who we are and I guess what this podcast is supposed to be about. Loosely. Loosely. Yeah. You know, grant, uh, take it with a grain of salt. So uh, my name is Eric Middleton. I am a PhD student at uh, Columbia Graduate University. I study organizational behavior. Uh, I love psychology. I love problem solving. I love going on rants. I love hearing myself talk. I am amazing. And so that's why uh, me and Sam, I don't know, Sam also agreed with all those things, amazing mm-hmm. things about me. Mm-hmm. And he decided I'm nodding. Uh, he would uh, maybe uh, begin to do a podcast with me. Absolutely. Sam, who are you? Well, hold on. We, we have only scratched the surface as to who Eric Middleton is. Uh you are uh, devilishly handsome. Ooh. You forgot to leave. You, you left that out. Oh, wow. And you actually left out the thing that you love the most is uh, psychometrics. I do. That's like that's what you live for. I don't know if I live for that, <laughs> but I, it, it interests me. It interests me. It interests you. And also being beat up by 13-year-old girls. Well, let's show off that. Let's put a pin we'll in come, that. We'll come, we'll come, back, we'll come back to that. Uh, so who am I? My name is Sam Sperlin. I am also a PhD student at Claremont Graduate University. I study positive organizational psychology. And what do I like? I like personal development and I like independent work and entrepreneurship. And I like figuring out what it means to work well and have meaning in your work. And uh, that's it. Sam. That's all I am. Is like the lone samurai when it comes to work. The he lone samurai. He does not believe in working for the man. That's true. He doesn't want to stick it to the man. He wants mm. nothing to do with the man, but he That's wants true. to get a lot of good stuff done. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll probably end up talking about some of that stuff. Yeah. Our own. We'll get. Ooh, we'll get more in depth into uh, some of our own interest mm-hmm. um, over you know series of these uh, podcasts, these chats, yeah, these, these chats, these conversations. Like, Con- conversations that's that's what it all that's what it's all about and and that's kind of the segue into like what the purpose of the podcast is uh loosely i mean i think we both agreed that we didn't want to come into this with like scripts and heavy notes about specific things that we're going to teach everyone about psychology that's not the the idea so much more of a, a opportunity to talk about our interests whether in the realm of the work that we're doing in in psychology or just interests uh outside of that Am I more or less correct on that? Yeah, it's about right. So, yeah, good. You know, and topics that we know a lot about will be fairly accurate. And topics that we also like talking about, but maybe know less about, fairly inaccurate. <laughs> will be fairly inaccurate. <laughs> we'll do our best. But um, the things that we bring out uh, should spark some interest in you know whoever's listening out there. Um, if it sticks, if it if, if it sounds interesting, look it up. You know, we'll probably we're not going to necessarily try to give. References, but we might add some things to the show notes. Yeah. Um, Which those. you can find at thefiledrawer.audio. Great. Indeed. Um, well, also, we're at least we have some uh, initial planning around bringing on some of our classmates and, and colleagues here at CGU and elsewhere. Because um, we've got some, some classmates who are doing really cool things. And this might be a cool platform to, to hear about what they're doing as well. I agree. Good. I agree. I'm, I'm glad we're doing. We're, we're laying the gra- the groundwork right here for everybody to to be part of. Yeah. So um, we were kind of thinking about like, okay, what what do we talk about? We again, we we already talked about we talk about a, a wide range of things, but mm-hmm. what do we talk about in this first mm. uh, podcast or this sort of um the or the, what will be known as the origin the seed podcast? <laughs> yeah. Once we hit like you know. Episode three hundred, mm-hmm. and, and we have a billion of fans, and et cetera. Two billion, two two billion—that's a lot. Um, Shoot for the stars. And so, one thing I thought was interesting um, that me and Sam can both talk about: uh, we just recently got back uh, from a psychology con- well, uh, a conference, a professional conference with, that has a you know mixture of psychologists. Um, I believe 
other scholars, historians, sociologists, sociologists. historians, yeah. A lot uh, of practitioners as well, though. Yeah. And, and this conference was the International Leadership Association Conference, and it took place in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, both of us did uh, a couple of presentations there. Or, um, I did one symposium, Sam, I think did two. I did, no, I did, no, I did one, one symposium in the poster session. In a poster session. And uh, so I guess we could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, a good starting point as any. So uh, what, what, hmm, what, where, how do I want to grab this first? I guess the, the obvious question is what did you uh, present and talk about? Okay. Um, I presented with, uh, along with three other colleagues, um, as a, a presentation as a part of a symposium where we were discussing a, a construct uh, which is called leader developmental efficacy. So the premise or the basics general definition of this construct is um, it describes an individual's self-efficacy or let's say confidence regarding whether or not they can engage in uh, activities that will, I guess, lead to their leader development. Gotcha. Uh, so things that develop their skills and abilities as a leader. Did this construct exist before you guys started working on it? Uh, really, it's a, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a branch out of Becky's. Okay. Our, our research advisor is uh, Dr. Becky Reichert at CGU. Um, and I think it stemmed from her dissertation. I'm not sure. Okay. It, the, the, the actual, no, the actual word, I think, the measure, I think, stemmed from her dissertation. I think the actual concept stemmed from a theoretical paper, which I do not remember where that paper is, I gotcha. believe. Um, but the whole, like, it comes out of, like, a broader literature, or let's say, uh, a literature that sort of is like the umbrella that encompasses development efficacy uh, and the literature is regarding developmental readiness. Mm -hmm. And this is like a higher order construct that encompasses, encompasses uh, leader developmental efficacy, uh, learning goal orientation, uh, motivation, et cetera. And it's really meant to be a way to assess whether or not individuals are developmentally ready um, or, or whether or not they are ready to engage in developmental activities to to become better leaders to become better leaders. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, All right. So why why does that uh, why does that matter? Uh, it matters. I don't know. Pretty pretty much matters. I guess, I guess the, the argument that we we would make is that a lot of money is being spent just in general, not yeah. even on leader development, but just in general on training and development. Mm -hmm. um, a ton of money. Like I think the quote that we quoted in the presentation was um, it's from. The Amer uh, Association of no. American Society of Training and Development estimates that about 162 billion dollars was spent in the U.S. alone. Um, wow. yeah, I think in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, that's a lot of money on training and development. On training. Okay. So if you're going to go ahead and spend that much money on trying, to, like basically you're investing in your people, you want them to do well. Hopefully, um, if there's a way to sort of predict whether or not they're going to actually be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, that is going to be a huge advantage for organizations. Right. And so one construct that people have considered or people uh, have theorized may be uh, useful for exploring that, you know, what predicts is whether or not they are developmentally ready to engage in these okay. training activities, these workshops, even self-development activities. Um, if you can figure that out, either you could then work to get that person developmentally ready or um, you could just choose the people that are the most developmentally ready to spend that money on right okay cool so what was your your portion of the uh the presentation uh the portion i presented on basically just the um kind of like a preliminary preliminary study uh we are developing a measure of leader developmental efficacy and uh so the first study was basically uh validating the construct um itself just just the construct validity um we didn't i didn't look at it whether or not it predicts anything but uh so um Basically, did split sample validation uh, where we employed exploratory factor analysis, which, again, this is not going to be a stats mm -hmm. <laughs> podcast. Right. So I'm not going to get into that. And also uh, confirmatory factor analysis on uh, other samples to validate uh, a one, a short, basically five item measure. That's one. So, did you guys factor. write all of those, uh, all those items, or did you pull them from other scales and and kind of reformed it into this new one? What what was that process? Uh, yeah, honestly, the, the measure actually started. 
So you talked about like at the beginning, I don't know if it recorded or not. We we're talking about, I like psychometrics or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I honestly would have preferred it stemming from a lot more items, but, uh, mm-hmm. we started off with 11 items. Uh, four were adapted from a measure of leader self-efficacy, I believe. And I think three were adapted from a measure of uh, learning efficacy or maybe general self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. And the other were adapted or just new. We just tried to create items that mm-hmm. we thought would tap into right. the construct. So, yeah, um, after sort of doing the analysis, we uh, reduced the items down to about five that uh, um, in subsequent presentations that my colleagues presented on seemed to predict um, other constructs or other um, yeah, other uh, outcomes well. Um, so the okay. second study, which I'm not going to talk about, looked at yeah. A convergent diversion of validity, and then we also looked at uh, predictive validity across time. Cool. So, so um, how what, what was the experience of the actual presentation itself? I mean, it was like what about fifteen minutes long? How uh, how did that go for you? Uh, I think it went well. Okay. Um, so this is this is the type of stuff I like. Yeah, I, my, this, my, is what, my, this is what I'm curious about. My experience. Yeah. So I was very nervous before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I, you know I don't like as I think I've told you before I don't like presenting in front of people. Yeah, but I think. Uh, Honestly, I think, you know, my experience uh, more recently, um, I'm going to sidetrack. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. I sidetrack a lot. But, uh, Don't worry. I'll, I'll put uh, a pin in it. I'll, the, bring, I'll bring us back. The um, experience, uh, some people at my school have started up an improv group where we try to do improv and, you know, games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that experience has really helped me uh, feel more comfortable on the fly. Yeah. Um, I'm really... I used to, I'm pretty much really focused on, oh, I need the right words to say. I need the right words. I need to have it memorized, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, A, being prepared makes a difference too. I did practice yeah. a lot. But also when things don't necessarily work out or well or maybe I say something off or I flub a word, you know, I'm much, it's much smoother. It doesn't stifle me. Um, I think I, I cracked a few jokes did, in there. You did crack a few you jokes know, that I, came out of nowhere I and got, they were great. Got some laughs, you know. And I was like, <laughs> and, I was, I was any, warm up. Was anytime warm up. you can get laughs when you're presenting uh, the the high level statistical details of a study, you you have a special comedic touch. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm here all night, folks. I'm here all night. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's about it. So yeah. the experience was good. I think all of us who presented did well. Uh, yeah. We got good feedback um, from people in the audience who thought that the symposium was well constructed in the sense that yeah. they fit well together. Um, I heard from my my boss that the person, um, I guess the president, I don't want to say the wrong person, right. someone who runs ILA or whatever mm-hmm. popped in, and she didn't know that uh, my boss was, you know, sort of part of where the data came, part of mm-hmm. our community, and she was like, "Yeah, I went to this presentation on development advocacy, and it was really good." Like, yeah. like you know, she was just kind of talking about that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Oh, that, that made me feel good and feel proud yeah. about, uh, the presentation that we as a group presented. And so I had yeah. to give a shout out to Dana Walker, Becky Reichert and Samantha Lagan. Yeah. And, and just to be a little bit clear, um, it's like you presented first and it was all about the validity of this, this new measure. Yes. And then the second one was Dana presenting kind of the, the nomological net, basically what is this related to, right? What is it related to? What What's should it not, what it's related, not related to? to and does right. it make sense theoretically right. based on the contract? Right. So that makes sense. Kind of like the next step. Once you have an item, once you have a measure, see what it's related to. And if that all makes sense. And then Becky presented an actual study, quantitative study using the measure and then samantha uh presented a qualitative study yeah, exactly using it, which was a really cool progression to see how it, it went from idea and measurement creation all the way to a qualitative study sam let me let me first say to you yeah you should be a host of a show mm. <laughs> like a podcast mm. because you just mm, broke like that this down. one you just broke that down beautifully <laughs> thank you, you, you that's think, what i'm here for you think about the listener i'm just talking my ass <laughs> off <laughs> so that's good this is why this is why we're a good team yeah, man. all right um, Tell me about yours. I mean, I, mean yeah. I, I was there, but sure, you want to share? I was also part of a symposium, so similar to what, what Eric just described, I was I was with a group of three people, and our symposium was all about uh, leader self development. So ours didn't hang together quite as logically as yours did, but basically, I presented on my thesis, which is um, looking at. I mean, the the real broad question is trying to understand what drives job satisfaction for independent workers, independent workers being 
freelancers or entrepreneurs who have started companies and keep them deliberately small or contract workers. Basically, what, how do these people find satisfaction in their work? So the specific study is basically looking at uh, self-leadership and self-leadership skills, basically the ability and the ability to use behaviors and strategies that kind of get you to do the things you have to do, even when you don't feel like doing them, which for an independent worker uh, is really important. So it was, it was a theoretical uh, presentation because I don't have data yet. Although I, I did get my thesis signed off, so I will be collecting data relatively soon. Yay! We'll insert some applause like right there. Uh, <laughs> so so I, yeah, I presented, uh, presented on that, and I got some... Some good questions at the end. People seemed uh, engaged with the idea, um, and and especially because I figured with practitioners being in the audience, there might be a few independent workers who were sitting there thinking, "Wow, this is, seems really relevant to me. I want to learn more about it." So I was able to add a few more people to my uh, my list of people who want to either be interviewed for future studies or take surveys, uh, things things like that. Sounds good. Sounds mm-hmm. good. Um, now, because you said your symposium was set up a little differently, mm-hmm. um, but I know, you know, obviously I know, but I'll share, uh, you did present with other colleagues mm-hmm. at CGU yeah. and you guys do have similar interests in, For in, sure. in this area. Um, I guess my question is how did it come about that you guys decided to present together and how did that sort of process work? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I think actually Becky initially noticed that Dana and I have similar interests in terms of self-development. Um, so once she kind of pointed that out and then we started thinking like, we need one more person to do a symposium with us on this rough topic. And then I realized Jeff, who I work with in other capacities and we've presented in the past, uh, together as well, a couple of years ago, I knew his research interests. So I figured he might have something kind of cooking that would be relevant to what we wanted to present on. So I asked him, so he joined in as a part of the symposium as well. Cool. Yeah. The, um, correct, you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I think I remember you. Oh, I will. Kind of mentioning, so I think you kind of mentioned that you weren't sure if your area uh, totally yeah. fit within there, but I think it totally does. Okay, well, yeah, I'm still it, not convinced, but I thank it, you. I think it totally does, um, in the sense that we're talking about self development, and we're not yeah. necessarily talking about leader self development. You know what I'm right. saying? Just self development in, in general, self motivation, self regulation, all that stuff. Yeah, for independent work, I, I think that has to be highly relevant for sure because you are it's it's almost i mean in a way as grad students we almost get there let's say oh yeah i i often just, include graduate students in my conceptualization of an independent worker yeah because uh especially once you're done with coursework and the structure is gone you i mean you have an advisor there who's there a support system so mm-hmm. that's there and mm-hmm. obviously in the real world you can also have support systems mm-hmm. but uh whether or not you succeed or complete something solely relies on you, especially your research project, your thesis research project, or your dissertation, especially because that's sort of the, that's sort of the, um, uh, no man's land in terms of. Yeah. And once you get to that point, I mean, realistically, nobody actually cares if you finish other than you. Like, of course your advisor has some vested interest in you actually finishing, but they're not going to ride your ass and make you finish your dissertation. I mean, that's why there's so many people who are ABD. Um, so yeah, I think my, I, when I was talking about that before, I guess I think my presentation made sense in the sense of in the in our symposium, the three of us, and I think just within the study itself that I'm doing, it makes sense. It's just I don't know if ILA was like kind of the ideal uh, uh, environment for. I mean, because ILA is very much focused on like leadership and followership and gotcha. groups of people leading, you know, other people. And while I do have the word leadership in the construct of self leadership, it's you know, I didn't see anybody else there really talking about that. And I also got feedback that self-leadership as a construct has been kind of, I don't know, denigrated in leadership uh, studies. Oh, so? I don't know a lot about it. It was during the uh, Emerging Scholars speed dating thing. Yeah. One of the scholars talked about, just real briefly, it was like, you know, like self-leadership is kind of like not a real thing. Uh, like, But what does know. that mean? I don't, I think, well, because and, and when you look at the behavior and stuff, it, I get it, it's basically self-regulation, self-management. So I think I the word leadership that. is kind of mm, for that. something like that. So the idea, I think it just might be mislabeled basically. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think maybe leadership scholars are sensitive to people just making, I mean, any scholars are Anyhow. making something up and then saying, this is what it is without really supporting it. So 
in in my future work, I may move away from using self-leadership as the construct and looking more at self-regulation or self-management. Because, I mean, that's it's the same. That's how I'm thinking about it in a lot of ways. I'll tell you what. So in this guy's eye, it might have sort of lost its appeal as a word, right? But if you look back, I mean, I kind of noticed this. Um, you kind of notice this in the literature if you start looking at original works. That's how, I guess, progress is made, right? So unless someone like unless people have like written about this and this ideas and like what kind of what Dana's doing sort of questioning how we label uh, Dana Dana is talking about whether or not leader development is really um self development self development or whatever right. um i like those papers mm-hmm. that aren't empirical mm-hmm. but they just go back and they just talk about that you know what i mean yeah. and so like one kind of learned this over the years but the most recent time i've kind of learned that isn't quite quite cut and dry although in the moment we act like it's been decided yeah. decisively decided on. And so uh, I remember being in uh, Hogg, Dr. Hogg's self and identity course. It's just an elective I took, which I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. interested in self and identity. And we were talking about social identity theory. And uh, I had the uh, um, poor luck of having to present his theory <laughs> you know, that he's engaged in because we all have to divide it up, yeah. divide up days and present. So I had to, yeah. Nothing like, like, for- no, nothing like reporting back uh, in a class the theory that the professor has developed himself. Yes. Like it's yeah. like it about trying the pressure of being right. So, um, so I'm presenting it and kind of looking at some of the older literature, you know, they were, they were talking about social identity theory and also social, um, I might be getting this wrong. Was it self-categorization theory or social categorization theory? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so older paid documents sort of acted like they were separate, not the same mm-hmm. thing. And so, you know, I think I presented it that way or I, I can't remember. It might be vice versa. And I'm, I'm talking about it. And then, uh, and something comes up where we talk about it as I'm doing the presentation and he asked why I presented it a certain way and kind of corrected it. And I was like, well, this is what it said in the paper. And he goes, Oh yeah. During that time we were basically trying to figure out whether or not it should be on its own or underneath, you know, does it really fall within? Is it different? And so that really gets hashed out over the years through different papers and discussions and conceptual conceptualization. So things aren't cut and dry. So yeah, I, I question is my question is to the person who said that, well, where has this discussion been had yeah. and is it just your opinion or have people kind of worked it out? And yeah, cause and, you can find those papers in other, you know, another uh, publications. And I haven't dug enough into, I mean, I haven't, the, when I, when I search for self leadership stuff in the various databases, I mean, there's not a ton out there and I haven't really, I didn't come across like a great debate or like back and forth between, um, maybe I just missed it. Maybe somebody can point me in that direction. Yeah. But, um, I mean, really it's not, it's, it's kind of inconsequential to my overall interest yeah, because yeah, yeah. what I'm actually interested in are those kind of self-directed behaviors yes. that allow you to be successful yeah. in particularly in my interest with very highly autonomous work environments, whether, so, which is why like, I am interested in like telecommute, uh, telecommuters and, and remote teams and virtual teams, things yeah. like that. But for the purpose of my thesis, which I did try to keep very deliberately discreet and small, yeah, um, yeah. looking specifically at independent workers. Yeah. Um, I'm have to take a little interlude right now mm, because, yes. um, not really, not interlude is probably the wrong word, but I've, I just had this thought and I always have this thought when we start talking about self-development mm-hmm. and self-regulation and stuff. Not that I know this poem, but the title of this poem, I always <laughs> think about it's Walt Whitman's song of myself. Oh. So I'm going to sing, I'm going to I'm going to say the first few stanzas. Are you, are you reading this? I've heard you have it memorized. I just, I just looked it up. You could have yeah. said memorization. I would have gone with it. Mem- I've memorized <laughs> it. I edit that out. And I edit that out. Edit the last uh-huh. five seconds out. Uh-huh. I memorized it. Oh, okay. Okay. I celebrate myself. And sing myself. And what I assume you you shall assume. For every atom belong to me as good belongs to you. I loathe and invite, I loafe and invite my soul. I lean and loafe at my ease, observing a spear of summer grass. My tongue, every atom of my blood from this soil, from, from this soil, this air. Born here of parents, born here from parents the same and the parents the same. I now 37 years old, in perfect health begin, hoping to cease not till death. Creeds and schools in abeyance, retiring back in while sufficed at what they are, but never forgotten. I harbor, for good or bad, I permit to speak at every hazard, nature without check. 
with that uh, with okay. the original injury. Okay. Right. I'm done. I'm right. done. I'm so done. is this is this is this how you perceive my my self leadership uh, focused thesis? Is this Houses what I'm doing? And rooms are full of perfumes. The shelves are crowded okay. with. Per- right, I'm done. Turn, turn off <laughs> your internet connection. <laughs> uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, I'm, I'm good. Uh, no, I just think of um, I, I just think the song of myself is I don't know. It applies to the self stuff. The self, self stuff. What is the self? The self. Mm. I'm interested in the self. What too. is okay? There you go. What is the self, Eric? Oh, I have no idea, dude. Mm. What is your yeah. self? I have no idea. I'm trying to figure that out. I love <laughs> studying self and identity. Yeah, um, you have to read. If you've never read, um, I think it's Baumeister. Uh, he has a chapter or a paper called "How the Self Became a Problem," hmm. and it kind of goes. It kind of takes you back through like history, and um, I, I don't remember exactly, but look it up. How the self became a problem. And it talks about how, you know, back in history, no one was really as self-focused. If you look at the literature and stuff like that, it was mm-hmm. an interesting approach for a psychologist to be taking because it's, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I might be confusing with something else anyway. But um, it then got into like, you know, how religion and stuff got people sort of feeling focused on the self, you know, the self-shame and all that mm-hmm. stuff, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but yeah, I remember reading that and I was like, it was so interesting interesting hmm. how the self became a problem is so that's so deep in my mind um yeah. because not well, not only is it a problem but yeah it's like we once the self becomes i guess once we sort of become uh, knowledgeable about the self then we can act on our own you know self-interest mm-hmm. uh, we can engage in behaviors that are, uh, are focused on the self um it does almost become problematic we're not just walking around oh um how yeah. um. i actually yeah i kind of have two things to say about this uh the first is that as like a positive psychologist i'm uh, very sensitive as most are to kind of self-help books mm-hmm. and self-improvement books because on the one hand, I mean, the website that I write and the work that I'm really interested in could be construed as self-help. Like I want people yeah. to like, like self-leadership could be a, a type of self-help, but at the same time, I mean, go walk into any library or bookstore, or just peruse Amazon and take a look at some of those self-help titles and take a look at just some of the things that they, that you mean anybody can write a self-help book, right? And a lot of times positive psychology gets kind of gets lumped into yes. that type of, yeah. of self-help. The other thing that I wanted to say, so at ILA, we had that emerging scholars consortium or whatever. Where basically, we were paired with a more seasoned scholar to talk about our research with. Um, and the guy that I was paired with, I won't use his name because I don't know if he wants to be on the podcast yeah. in, in that way. But he approached my research in a really interesting way like he um wasn't really interested in like how i was going to measure anything or like kind of the nitty-gritty details we we talked about kind of the philosophy underlying the 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 philosophical assumptions underlying even pursuing this type of research and part of it it comes out of there being there's this perception of a gap between where you currently are and where you want to be And I'm because I'm I care about personal development. I I always operate under that assumption. Like I'm, I always have a very kind of clear vision of this gap between where I am and where I want to be. Yeah. But he pointed out that's not necessarily an assumption that everybody holds. And maybe maybe the ideal is not closing this gap, but pers- not even perceiving the gap in the first place. Like just being okay with where you are right now as a person. I thought that was really kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah. That gets at to what you were talking about a little bit as well, dude. If you if they ever t- do the uh, self identity class again, it, and you have an elective to spare, mm-hmm. it might be interesting because of that. Because it kind of takes you down to the different, at least within the psychology literature, which obviously kind of builds off the philosophical literature. Those different premises, like how the self is constructed, different people operate from different paradigms of what they believe the self to be, mm-hmm. and so like a lot of that kind of the. the the idea of whether or not there's some sort of ideal self or that comes out of different literature, like uh, self literatures where they talk about the ought self and the mm-hmm. ideal self. Mm-hmm. Um, even at the D relay, one of those guys theories sort of hit those things up. Yeah. And so to accept that theory is to accept sort of that, that paradigm. Yeah. But not there's other theories. There's other sort of paradigms and how the self con- is constructed. Yeah. The, and then the other thing we talked about is, okay, so let's say, you you perceive this gap, so then the actual act and the work and the the process, the activities behind closing that gap, you can either be viewed as this arduous thing that you have to do to reach this ideal self that you you are striving toward until you've reached it, like you can't find enjoyment or happiness or something, or and this is kind of my own experience and the, my own way of thinking it, the very act 
of working toward closing that gap is enjoyable in itself. Enjoying the work of learning and of trying new things out and doing those self-leadership behaviors. That in itself, regardless of whether or not I actually reach that ideal state, is meaningful. And 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 that – I'm wondering if there's something more I can do around that with – maybe that's a thing that you can actually learn. Like you can can learn to perceive – the act of self-improvement, if you don't already, as uh, meaningful and enjoyable in and of itself, regardless of end, end outcome. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think that is something. Like, it's almost like you teach people different frameworks to sort of view the world you know, uh, that, they, that they may accept that can, I guess, improve their life. Whether or not it's true or not, that sort of framework or that, that sort of um, uh, philosophical stance can – aid people in making their life better. It's yeah. like, it's like whether or not it's like framing situations. Oh, I, I don't want to use an extreme thing when, uh, that offends people, but I, um, I used to get picked on a lot as a kid. Oh, what was me? I feel sad versus I used to get picked on a lot as a kid. Well, that's where I learned how to be funny and, and, and come back and, and crack back jokes. And right. you know what I'm saying? That's, it, it's, it's like, you know, we talk about the man search for meaning. You're in positive psychology. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to read yeah. that. Victor um, Frankl. And, uh, yeah, so maybe like, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, teaching that sort of, that, uh, that way of thinking may help people sort of make sense of the world around them. Mm-hmm. So if you think, if you view the world from a place, I have, I'm on a path to some sort of ideal me. Mm-hmm. I'm the, be- you've heard this. I'm trying to be the best me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? All these things. And I guess I want to first say where psychology comes into play is nothing, none of this stuff is new. Philosophy talks about this where psychology comes into play is we try to empirically study it. Right. Um, measure it and yeah. yeah. And make sense of it and stuff like that. You know, so it's, it's more than just a conversation and, uh, uh, philosophical, um, diatribes and stuff like that. So we are psychologists, Mm -hmm. but it is interesting just to talk about, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, yeah, I feel like I'm going on a rant. But, but yeah, well, well, what, what you're, I mean, partly what I'm hearing you talk about is actually the idea of a mindset mm-hmm. and, and the research that Carol Dweck and others have done around having a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. And that, and that is, I mean, Carol, Carol Dweck's book was one of the first ones I read that got me interested in positive psychology because yeah. um, I recognized how when I was younger, I had a fixed mindset, but I had kind of developed this growth mindset. So there's, there's something to what I was talking about in that, but... I think there's even like a, a different approach or a more nuanced view that I'm still kind of working through in terms of the actual, like I said, just the it, perceiving or, or getting enjoyment out of the the process of work or the process of working on yourself. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because what my, my emerging scholar mentor we ended up talking about was uh, we talked about uh, Michel Foucault a little bit and then we talked about stoicism, how um, it kind of aligned with underlying assumptions of, of stoicism. And that was interesting because I didn't, I never explicitly thought about that, but I've read a lot of stoicism. So it's, it's interesting that I think it kind of worked its way into just how I write and think about the world to where he could, he could perceive that in just my, my ideas and the way I presented them makes you think about what other underlying assumptions that you're not even aware of that you might yeah. have. Yeah. Tough. I, you know, I think I think a person's best self is achieved. That's why I'm interested in in, in the collective identity mm-hmm. and the sort of the social aspect of the self. Is like I think when people, uh, I think when people sort of focus energy on other people, so it's not necessarily self oriented. Mm-hmm. I think that definitely exp- makes the self better. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I don't know if that's sure. true or not. You know what I'm saying? But I tend to approach things like that. Um, so. You know, when I start thinking about all you know self development and all that stuff, I always want to approach it with caution because I don't think it's people's intention. It sounds very self interested and it does. Yeah. Uh, it's all about me. Yeah. Which I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think you know, it's all about me can make the world a lonely place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I'm I'm very aware of that as well um, because with my interest in independent work and self leadership and self development. I, I do spend a lot of time thinking about people on a, I guess an individual basis and myself on an individual basis. One thing that I have noticed just in how I live and how I feel about things is when I feel like I am doing the things on an individual, personal, or selfish level to be kind of the person that I want to be, I interact with other people 
much better. Yeah. I interact with like my family and my girlfriend much more positively than when I'm not doing those things. So like it's almost by being by putting this maybe inordinate uh, attention on myself, it also makes me better with other people. It's it's kind yeah. of a weird paradox. And I, and I would agree. I mean, I mean, so, yeah. And so I'm agreeing mm-hmm. with the other approach too. Like um, when you are taking care of yourself, you know, that can or let's say. I'm using this word to, to add emphasis when you aren't sort of self selfish, mm-hmm. selfish about your time, selfish about what you, your desires, your wants, et cetera. Um, I think that could make people unhappy. Oh yeah. And then you become bitter toward other people mm-hmm. because so-and-so is making me do this. Mm-hmm. Right, and you do things for other people to, you do things for others expecting something in return from them. Mm-hmm. And that creates a mess mm-hmm. versus um, when you pursue your own interests and stuff like that. It does make you happy, you know. Like you're, you, you become fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Thus, your interactions, like you just said, are um, better with others, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. There's no bitterness. Oh, I gave up all this stuff. Right. Um, so I think there's something to that too. And it's like it's like on the plane. I always use this example because I think it's perfect. When, when you get on the airplane, what do they tell you to do when the oxygen mask comes off? If you Take have care of yourself first, you have to put it on yourself because yeah. if you don't put it on yourself first, you're going to suffocate. Mm-hmm. And who are you helping then? Um, so I, I definitely think there is something there. Sorry, I think I think my phone just buzzed a bit. Yeah, no worries. I guess I noticed you're using your phone as a coaster well, on my IKEA table. You can put that just right on the table no, if no. you want. I, I was thinking that me setting it down here would be louder than me uh, setting it down on the phone. Okay, um, I, I thought you were just really respecting my my stuff. No, nah. <laughs> to I'm the like, point that you're putting a a, a drink on <laughs> a several hundred dollar phone. No, nah, I, I was like the, the the phone screen will absorb the sound better. <laughs> I think you just amplified it. I think it came up through your your no, your it's bottle. The Oh. Uh, anyway. I think they might be the same loudness but different tones. <laughs> uh, we are easily the smoke distracted. Of my own breath echoes, ripples, buzz, whispers, okay, love burns. I'm gonna close your computer. <laughs> Walt. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've talked to you before, but I'm gonna bring it up because it's the first episode. But uh, um, I'm in the poetry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but or poetry, I'm into words, uh, you know, poetic words, I guess. Um, but one of the quotes that kind of got me into psychology in general. Oh, You've yeah, heard this yeah. before, but I'm going to repeat yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, and it sort of what kind of got me into even, like, I guess, I mean, I'm not a social psychologist, but sort of the social aspect of humans, I guess. Well, and um, there's a lot of social in OB. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, a lot of social in all psychology, but um, yeah. was a poem or a statement or whatever by John Donne. And I remember being in my intro to psychology class, I think it was the first day, uh, my psychology psychology professor uh, walked in and he uh, repeated the, this poem. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a cloud be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less as well as if a promontory were as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine work, thy own own were any man's death diminishes me because I'm involved in mankind and therefore never sin to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. And it's those, uh, the last, not the last two lines, but the two lines before that really resonated with me. Any well, man's death why did they? Him. Yeah. Why, why? How did this? I, mean, I think it's really interesting that he started a psychology class with this. What did it? What did that kind of mean to you? Um, it, uh, for me, I mean, not even just the last two lines, but even mm-hmm. uh, no man is an island entire. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. It, it was just the connection. We are connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the, it's almost definitively stating that, regardless of what you think, no man is an island entire mm. of itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of it. I mean, if, if a cloud be washed away by the sea, Europe is less. You know what I'm saying? If, yeah. if, if one person sort of separates, we are diminished as a humankind right. by the loss of one. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, that, for me, that's, I don't know, it was, it was incredibly powerful. Yeah, so, to the point, yeah. it sticks in my head. Like, well, I was, and I'm, it, oh, I'm 32, so I was in undergrad. I took that psychology class maybe when I was. 20, 19 yeah. or 20. Yeah. Well, and it obviously pushed your career choices as well. Because yeah, you're in graduate school right now for psychology. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, that's really cool. Um, that's, a, that's the last poem that you'll hear from me. No, it's not. <laughs> Maybe the last one today, but I have a feeling we should have Eric's Poetry Corner every uh, every week. Um, no, that's, that's cool. And that makes me think, um, so in the spring, I'm going to be teaching a psychology course. So maybe I'll start it with that. Maybe. Except, except, eh, it's not, not really. really so, it's not psychology. It's also not psychology. It's OB. So never mind. Yeah, it's OB. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's connections Maybe. there. Maybe. But 
Um, I, got, I got to figure out my own uh, powerful yeah, start to the class. Up, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> command that, that professor. Command that room. That professor commanded the room, man. It was, it was awesome. How did he command the room? Tell me more about that. Uh, he walked in. Mm-hmm. Um, he just he had a just definitely a presence about mm-hmm. him, and he walked in kind of just chill. Mm-hmm. You know, like he didn't. I don't. I, this is me. This is me in memory. So we know memories flaw and whatever. I don't. Mm-hmm. But as I remember it, he didn't tell the room to quiet down. He right. didn't go, shh, silence. I mean, it's a huge yeah. room. Like, I think we had maybe 200 people, you know, like 150. You yeah. know, it's a large class. He didn't shh p- people. He just walked started. in. He yeah. stared, kind of surveyed the room, and he just started speaking. He had a loud, powerful voice mm-hmm. that just, it, 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 uh, it spread throughout this whole sort of auditorium-style room. Yeah, that's cool. That's about it. Yeah, I, I in previous uh, career I taught high school uh, for just a couple of years, but I went through a teacher training program. So I, I student taught for a semester and I spent a lot of time thinking about like how, how to um, be, how I wanted to be perceived by students and what, what basically that exactly, like how, like even thinking about like, how do you walk into a room? How do you start class? How do you end class? Like all that stuff I used to think about a lot. And now that I'm actually going to be teaching again in the spring, I'm starting to rethink that that stuff uh, again so yeah i mean and also like other little things i mean in the first day i think he clearly laid out expectations mm-hmm. you know what I'm yeah, saying? yeah for sure it was just you know this is how it's gonna be this is how it's not gonna be if you guys are talking i'm not you know what I'm saying? like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna fight you <laughs> you know right That's, and and yeah and definitely the, you guys are i mean you're adults you're in college yeah exactly that's cool so i want to ask you We've talked a lot about kind of psychology and work stuff today. Yeah, I want to ask you, what are, what do you, what, who are you outside of being a grad student? Uh, what do you like? Uh, we already know you like poetry. <laughs> Other than that, uh, what do I like? I, yeah. I, I don't like going into. It's, it sounds listy. Um, no, give me. Okay, well, actually, I know some things about you. I know you like podcasts, not just because we're doing one right now, but yeah. what is it about podcasts that you enjoy? What do you like listening to in uh, in the podcast? Uh, I love – so some of the podcasts I listen to are just for comedic mm-hmm. reasons. I love comedy. They're funny. And I'm actually going to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hype up. I'm going to uh, promote some of these podcasts. Yeah, cause, do it. Um, for, so I want a good laugh. Uh, and I'm going to preface it and say – some are not for kids and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you know, um, be smart. Yeah. Be smart. What you listen to, <laughs> but, um, the Ty glass show, okay. I think is just, I love the absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that show just gets so silly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he does a lot of bits and <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, they have like a band that plays, Oh wow. uh, he's a lot of, he's a lot of repetition. Like I think uh-huh. repetition is hilarious. Okay. Um, I mean, you just have to experience it to really get it. So the, uh, the, right. the tie glass show. All right, there'll be a, there'll be a, uh, a link in show notes. Yeah, uh, and also another funny one I listen to is uh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say this other one because it, it can get offensive. And if your sense of humor, <laughs> if your sensibility isn't really like this, you can you can email me and I'll tell you. But uh, <laughs> okay, uh, it, yeah, email really Eric. But a lot of different uh, comedy. If you listen to like some of the top comedy podcasts, I probably listen to them. And things that sort of walk the edge of comedy. That's pretty much what I listen to. But I also listen to educational um, podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, or even like kind of newsy stuff, like the NPR stuff, This American yeah. Lives. Things are interesting. Mm-hmm. I like the interesting story, hearing about different people's um, experiences and things like walk the line. I listen to the Joe Rogan experience as he walks the line of talking about philosophy to politics to just silliness to mm-hmm. uh, he talks about like martial arts to even ex- extreme weird things like. You know, just weird aliens, Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. I think he's really a, in a Bigfoot. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> just, right. you know, stuff like that. So cool. And so, but now, why? Like, why now? Do you want to be on the other side of it and like creating your own? I don't know. I thought it would just kind of be fun to do. Mm-hmm. I like talking. I like having interesting conversations. Yeah. And so I think off the mic, I tend to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, some of these things should be recorded. A just for other people. Other people might hear it and think it's interesting. In my experience with podcasts, you can you can reach people in small time, small town Illinois, mm-hmm. and you'll hear a perspective, whether it be life or whatever, or maybe the type of humor mm-hmm. that your regional or that your your, your friends don't you can yeah, never get into it. About. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think uh, podcasts basically it's just a product of the social world that we're in. You can mm-hmm. connect to anybody across the world 
through this uh, medium. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I don't know, it's part of that thing. It's like part of that sort of connection. Yeah. It, uh, it expands the sort of human experience and connects us to people. For sure. What what kind of person or, yeah, I guess, what, what kind of person do you hope hears this in the future when we've got a couple more of these under our belt and, and it relates to it? Is there, do you have kind of like an ideal listener in mind at all? No. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I hope somebody that may have an interest in psychology yeah, um, or doesn't have an interest in psychology, but maybe we, we talk about other sort of weird things and then we sort of get them to bite. Yeah. We do. I mean, we we talked a lot about the conference and stuff today, but other things we might go on a rant about other weird stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So the other conversations that we have might sort of uh, hook people into into this field. And it doesn't have to be yeah. org, org behavior, but it'll be just philosophy, psychology, you know, yeah. things like that. And I also want you know, also want to talk about this stuff in a silly way. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't, I don't think we have to be ultra serious about it for sure i yeah and i think sometimes grad school can be an overly serious place yeah. so it'd be, it's nice to have an outlet where we can still talk about the stuff but don't have to don't have to treat you don't have to treat it like a uh, life and death yeah i'm not getting critiqued by my research advisor you know <laughs> yeah i'm just exactly. kind of talking talking through ideas yeah. right but i see you writing down notes i mean I, they're mostly just notes for myself if i want to mention something and come back to it uh, okay yeah, yeah. yeah. But who knows? Through this conversation, it might bring up ideas, mm-hmm. uh, research ideas. Oh yeah, like that. for sure, for sure. Going back and listening through, I mean, I I already know that I want to listen through what I had said about the the gap stuff because I want I know there's like I'm on the cusp of a research idea there, but I don't I'm not quite sure what it is yet. So yeah. I'm self centered enough to say I'm going to go back and listen to this episode yeah. for my own goodness, my own my own. Sam <laughs> okay. Berlin. That, that's, that's for you listening back. I'll give you a shout out. <laughs> you just gave me a shout out yeah, on my so own gonna, podcast. You're be, Thank you. You're going you're to be excited. When they, when oh, you these guys, they, they said my name. <laughs> they mentioned me. <laughs> they mentioned me. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man. All right. Um, so what about you? What about me? I'm going to ask you. You Again, you should be a, like a like some sort of TV host because mm, you yes. ask interview questions very well. Thank you. I was going to say, what about you? All right. Same questions. Sure. I don't remember what the question was. What I like outside of psychology, mm-hmm. I think. Hmm. Well, when you came over here earlier, I was sitting on the couch playing a video game. I do enjoy me some video games. Um, it's funny. I'll go through. I mean, growing up, I played a lot of video games just because that's what most kids, most little boys my age did, played a lot of video games. And then going through college and now grad school, not a lot of time for video games, but I've been trying to just build in a little bit of time. Yeah. Uh, in, in the games that I enjoy, I usually have a good story. Uh, yeah. Like I, I don't play like first-person shooters, really. Not, I don't have anything against it. It's just not really the type, the way I want to spend my time. But I do like games that have a cool story. Um, so usually RPGs of some sort, role-playing games. Yeah. Um, and then I part of the reason why I think I'm being drawn back to that is – in in grad school, I mean, we're always dealing with like numbers and facts and I guess like I mean tough stuff that's like tough to, to think through, and you don't get you don't get this fiction anymore. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been playing games where I can just like easily play for like ten or fifteen minutes, and it's not a big deal to turn it off and and go back to to work. But in that ten to fifteen minutes, I can kind of lose myself in a, in a story for a little bit. And the same reason why too, I think I've gotten into comic books because um, yeah. you can read a comic book, you know, one one um, one issue, ten fifteen minutes, and it's a nice little break of just pure fiction and story and narrative into your de- in a day that's normally you know facts and and numbers. So I like comic books. I like video games. We may talk about those a little bit in the future sometime. Uh, I'm a big hockey fan. Played hockey growing up my entire life. Played club hockey in college, and then I coached a college team for two years. Um, so I follow the, the Detroit Red Wings on my team. So I, I usually watch most of their games, yeah. especially since they're on. I don't know you coached a college team. I did University of Detroit Mercy. It was like a, is, a D2 club team. Nah, it's awesome, man. For for two oh, wow. years, yeah. Well, why did you not try to play? Or you just too old? Or? Uh, as far as playing, yeah, were you out of, in was, in college, you, or? you were out. I, so after I graduated, so okay, yeah. I graduated undergrad in 09, and that fall I started coaching the Detroit University of Detroit Mercy um, hockey team. Graduated what? I graduated undergrad in 09. 09, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm younger than you, man. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I, I, I think about it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I play in a men's league out, out here once a week. I watch most Wings games, which is nice because they're on the East Coast and I'm on the West that Coast. Wise, which that means, Weiserman's awesome. <laughs> that old Weiserman. <laughs> it's an inside joke. Yeah. Yeah. No, a, yeah. You're, you're a big Weiserman fan. That Weiserman's incredible. 
Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, so I don't know. Those are probably my main, my main things. I used to be in much better shape. I used to work out a lot more, but that has kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not a total tub of goo, but not where I used to be. Yeah. I used to... I used to lift weights a lot, and I, I've done like a half marathon and stuff in the past. And I'm working my way you enjoy, away from Do you enjoy that. that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I would be lying if I said right now if I went out for a run, I would enjoy it because I haven't done it in so long. I feel like crap. But it's one of those things where if you do it, if you're doing it regularly, it gets to the point where you enjoy it. Like when I ran cross country in high school, it actually got to the point where I enjoyed practice. Yeah. Um, which thinking about now sounds crazy. Like the idea of running out, going out and running four miles sounds like torture, but I'd like to get back to that point. I know it's, I know I have it within me. Okay. So because a Sam Sperlin that can run four miles, does that sort of fit within your ideal self? Mm, it does. Right. It does. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, this might be a topic for a future, future podcast, but one of the reasons I want to get back into running is more even it's it's not even the the physical aspect of it. It's the mental component of being able to do something like that um, for a long period of time. Like yeah. endurance, endurance athletics appeals to me on a mental level. Um, but right now, I don't have I don't yeah. have that. I run a couple miles, a couple times a week right now. So that's pretty good. More than I do. Better than nothing. Well, you're Mister uh, Mister Jitsu. I'm just a white belt. <laughs> so, but okay, sure. You're you're just a white belt. But how much weight have you lost in the past couple of months? He lost like 20, 20 pounds. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can tell like looking at you too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a, an audio medium. So not that yeah. people can tell that you yeah. that, but sitting across from you right now, I can tell that you have lost uh, some significant weight. Yeah. So how, I mean, do you feel better I having feel, done it? I feel better. My knees, you know, I got a bad knee. My, mm-hmm. my knee feels a little better because that weight is kind of taken off. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I love, I love you too. Yeah. I've kind of fallen in love with the, uh, the sport of it, but yeah. I so, like so now that you've, and then now that your knee is feeling better and you just feel better, are you ready to go do the, the baldy hike again? No. No, no. <laughs> you want to hike? That, that sucked. That, <laughs> I, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I enjoyed you know, going up with you guys. But, yeah. Uh, did you enjoy ha- having done it? I'm glad I did it. Yeah. But that's not for me to do again. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's for me to do anytime <laughs> soon again either. Because <laughs> the, pain, the pain afterwards was so ridiculous. <laughs> what I'm referring to, we live at the base of a mountain called Mount Baldy here in Southern California. And we... Uh, Four of us, group of four of us, decided to hike to uh, the top um, and took up basically all day. It was like 10,000-something feet. I'm, yeah, it was tough, but I did have the best beer of my life that night for dinner. Yeah, I've never – nothing has ever approached that level of just like transcendent experience yeah. food or drink-wise. Yeah. Just to add more of a description, when you're walking <laughs> past people that say they're training – they're using that mountain to train for Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> yeah. That, sh- that was my first hike I've ever been on. Like, <laughs> yeah, you starting big. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah, but I, it was hard to sleep. Yeah, because oh, okay, then we camped that night, so we slept on the ground. <laughs> Dude, man. Uh, so uh, all right. Well, on that note, I think this has been a, a good first, uh, first stab I think at, so. the, at the file drawers. We'll be back again next week. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See y'all. Or whatever. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's good stuff.